Welcome, everybody, back to The Root and Edified Show. I'm your host, Kat Elias, along with our co-host, Manny Elias. Hello. We're so glad that you're joining us today. And I think we have a very, very special episode for you because it's our testimony of how we met and how the Lord worked in our life. The title of our show today is The Two Shall Become One Flesh. And we want to let you into our personal lives, learn a little bit more about us, and again, let you know how the Lord worked in our life. Amen. We'll also be discussing what it means to have that oneness in Christ, my love, right? Absolutely. That oneness in Christ and um, the oneness in, in your marriage. And so we're your special guest today. Happy dance for us. We're so glad to be here with you. So thanks for joining us. Before we jump in to our testimony, I want to remind you of a few things about this podcast. This show, The Rooted and Edified Show, is part of Beautifully Rooted, which is a Christian mental health and education corporation. It's also sponsored by Beautifully Rooted. And this show is a fun-loving, no-facade, conservative Christian worldview show where we go over the four T's, testimonies, topics, talents, and theology, of course. Amen. Hopefully we can get a few laughs on the side, Yeah. right? We love to laugh. We love puns. We hope to walk alongside you with your Christian walk and help you grow deeper in a relationship with Christ and grow more mature in your Christian walk. And get you rooted and edified in the Word of God. Very true. That's a great title for our show. Yep. As a reminder, we put out both an audio podcast and a video one. So whichever is your preference, there's something available to you. Now, let me introduce us a little bit more. If you've been watching this show or listening, you probably know a little bit about us, but let me go ahead and introduce you again. And if you're new, welcome. My husband, Manny Elias, is my husband and a father of six. We have a wide range of ages. Get this, five to 21. That's correct. He studied missiology, got a degree in missiology, and was a missionary in Mexico. He's bilingual, his Spanish, and his English is immaculate. We hope to put out some Spanish episodes pretty soon. Amen. God willing. God for this willing. Podcast. Primero Dios. Primero Dios. There you go. Hopefully, let us know if that's something that you would be interested in. He is also Beautifully Rooted's chief biblical consultant, so we are very thankful for that. And of course, he's the co-host of this show, The Rooted and Edified Show. And in his spare time, if there was such a thing... Manny manages a real estate and mortgage business. Also, he does technical analysis for trading. And just by the way, he has had multiple episodes on our podcast. So make sure you go and check those out. The first one we came out with was his testimony. So go and check that out. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be amazing. He also has an episode on opening up the scriptures and on Bible 101. Amen. Right? So let me tell you a little bit more about myself in case you don't know. My name is Katie Elias. I'm the host of this podcast and I founded Beautifully Rooted, again, a Christian mental health and education corporation. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I was working in the field for over 18 years. That means I'm a therapist. I've been married now with Manny for 12 years. And again, we have six children together with a blended family. Yep. Okay, let's jump into telling you a little bit about how we met, how the Lord worked in our life, and how we got to where we are now. So I'll start, if that's okay with you. Yes, absolutely, okay. ladies first. Well, let me start with, I was in a terrible relationship before Manny and I met. It was a relationship where I accepted half love as full love instead of waiting for full love. And that person didn't want to be with me anymore. Thank the Lord. Amen. Thank God. My heart was sad, but thank the Lord that that happened. So if that ever happens, ladies, maybe you need to thank God, right? That's right. I started going to a therapist who was amazingly balanced, who helped me to learn things like, hey, you want to be with somebody who wants to be with you. That was really helpful to be reminded of. Practical. 
very practical. She was very amazing in that way. And I also had started going back to church. I had been in the church before that. I grew up somewhat on and off in church. I went to a youth group when I was 11. That's really, really where I started developing a personal relationship with Christ. I always knew as a child, even though I was only in the church here or there, that the Lord loved me and he had his protection over me. But really at 11 is when I started learning I should have a good relationship with Christ individually. And once I was able to drive, I started going to church by myself. And one of the issues was, is that I didn't have discipleship. I kind of went to a mega church and along the time frame of college, I started to walk away from Christ. And after this bad relationship, towards the end, I started going back to church I knew that I needed to plug back in. I knew that I was far off and I knew where I needed to be. When I was doing that, I started going to a boundaries group with Henry Cloud and John Townsend's material. And I thought that was very helpful. The Lord just really aligned all those things at one time to help me get to a healthier place. Fortunately, I made some good choices and unfortunately, I made some bad choices. And I ended up getting to this place where I was just at my lowest point. I got to a place where my self-esteem was super low and I used to be a very confident person. I just made some really poor choices that brought me to a place where I realized whatever the Lord had for me, being single, that's what I, I thought that the Lord wanted for me at that time or where it was going, that just had to be better than what I was doing. I was making poor choices that end up having poor consequences. And I found myself crying on the floor one night at my lowest point and I just cried out to the Lord. And I was very serious. I just had reached my point of surrender. And not one of those, you know, those prayers where you have like a half surrender and you're like, Lord, you know, please fix these things or please help me. But you don't really, really 100% mean it. Well, I 100% meant it in this prayer. And I found myself crying on the floor and I prayed to the Lord, Lord, whatever your plan is for me has to be better than what I'm doing. Even if your plan for me is to be single with no children, it has to be better than what I'm choosing and what I'm doing. Because of course I wanted to be married and have children. That was what I wanted all my life. But I figured, you know what? If that wasn't in the cards for me that the Lord didn't want for me, that has to be better regardless because it's the Lord who is ordaining that. That's correct. And the cards, you don't mean tarot cards. That's right. I know. I said that after I thought, <laughs> after I said that, I thought, it's well, okay. it's you okay. didn't want it to be interpreted the wrong way. So I was in this prayer and I was telling the Lord, Lord, whatever you want for me has to be better than what I'm doing. Just help me to be happy about it. If you want me to be single for the rest of my life with no children, so be it. Help me to be that bridesmaid that's happy for her friends. Mm. And just help me to be happy about it because it's going to be easier to walk along that path that you're asking me and that you're dating for me if I'm happy about it. But I told the Lord specifically, and I was really serious. And whether it was good or bad, I just figured it was, I was just very genuine and very serious. And I said, but you have to hear me now. You cannot hold this to me in one hour. You know, I am not strong enough and I will backslide. You must hear me now. And I ended that prayer. You know, I started going along my life, trying anew in my promise to God that I was going to do what it was that he wanted me to do and to walk along the path that he was going to have for me. And a few days later, about four days later, I decided, well, I'm going to start my life single with no children and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to try to be happy because this is what I promised the Lord. And I went on a day trip and everything just went sour. I was went to a place that was about two hours away to an outlet mall to go shopping. I figured that's something I can do by myself. On the way, I had all these reminders of sad feelings. And so I arrived crying, but I found a spot in front of Starbucks. One spot was open right when I got there. And I thought, you see, it's all going to work out. This is going to go end well because coffee always makes me happy. Mm -hmm. I got a spot right in front of Starbucks 
it must be meant to be. Here I go. I'm going to walk in and I get my iced coffee. As soon as I get my iced coffee and as soon as I step out of Starbucks, I take one foot out. Everything went dark at this outlet. As soon as I got my coffee and I said, you got to be kidding me. I made this trip and I didn't check what time it closed. I can't believe it. Oh my goodness. But no, what ended up happening is that there was a big power outage and it never came back on. And I overheard somebody saying, they said it's not going to come on until three in the morning. And I was like, oh my gosh, you see this? I'm trying to move forward in my life. I'm trying to make positive steps. And there's a power outage the moment I walk out of Starbucks. And I said, okay, well, it wasn't meant to be. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go to the casino next door. They're not going to lose power. So I'm going to go and just play and I'm just going to have fun and I'm going to go home and move forward with my life. And so I went to the casino that was very close. Their lights were on and I took out money. I think I took about, out about $40 and I kid you not, it, it cost me a whole bunch of money to pull money from that ATM. And I said, well, and this was during the economy crisis. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that again. It cost me almost as much money, not really, but almost as much money to pull it out. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to play a little, a little bit here. And I, I played one of the machines, the slot machines as well. I thought everything had changed because the lights came on, things were flashing. And I just thought, wow, I really won big, amazing. And I said, wow, see how this is working out? Everything is going well. I pushed that button that was blinking red and white and just blinking, blinking, blinking. I pushed the button and it drained everything and I won nothing. And I said, how could this be? This is just not working out. It wasn't meant to be. It drained all my money. It did max bet for max lines and everything was gone. And I said, well, I'm not going to pull out more money. It's going to cost me a lot of money. I'm just going to go home because it wasn't meant to be. And what we find out later is it wasn't meant to be. I went home. I tucked my tail between my legs and I was sad. And I just said it wasn't meant to be. And I went home and I decided after I got home, I'm going to go to this birthday party that someone invited me to. I wasn't planning on going. I wanted to be very careful when I was in grief who I was around because I didn't want to make the wrong choices anymore. But I'm going to go because I promised the Lord that I'm going to move forward with my life and I just need something to dress up for. Put my lipstick on and just really not be depressed, not get depressed. I thought I was making steps to get out there to prevent depression. I remember thinking, I'm going to go to a party by myself on a Saturday night. I don't know anybody there except for the person throwing it but I'm going to do it. And back in the day, remember when Netflix had, they mailed you the little CDs Absolutely. or were they CDs? DVDs. DVDs. I thought, well, I'm going, if, if I get uncomfortable, I'm a grown adult. I'll go home after an hour. I'll drop off some gifts. I'll, I'll go home and I'll just call it a night. So I went there and I was two hours late to this party and they hadn't even set up the tablecloths yet. Nobody was there except for a person or two. And one of those people mm -hmm. Was me. Was you. That's right. And I said, well, I'm a party planning person. I can definitely set up. I can help you put these things down. And I don't remember who striked up the conversation first. I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. And we started talking. Over some ceviche. Over some ceviche. That's right. And so we started talking and... I was not in a place where I was looking to be in a relationship. Ironically enough, I had just surrendered my life back to the Lord and I had just surrendered being married with children. And so while we were talking, somebody was offering you and offering my husband alcohol. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Thank you. And I was, I thought that was quite interesting. I said, you're at a party. That I was Mormon. <laughs> I did think you're a Mormon. That's right. I was, well, I was wondering. And you, because you had also mentioned that you were a missionary. And so I said, what religion is that for? You told me for Christianity. I said, okay. And I thought that was quite interesting that it wasn't that you wouldn't drink at all. You just didn't feel the need to drink at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was something that, that really stood out to me. While we were talking within the first 10 minutes, I kept on thinking without trying, hmm, this could work. Hmm. This could work. 
hmm, about the third, fourth, fifth time, I said, hmm, this could work. And it dawned on me, <laughs> this could work. And I looked up, I literally looked up while you were talking and I said, really, Lord, you'd send me my husband now? <laughs> really? And so, you know, through the night, I didn't tell him that at that minute that, hey, you're about to marry me. But I knew it inside. And we ended up talking for about eight hours mm-hmm. at this party. I was dead tired by the end. We ended up talking. It was just like we were already in a deep relationship. That's right? correct. And so while you were talking, it wasn't that I just, you know, it wasn't like a Elsa thing or no, it wasn't Elsa. It was Anna, right? Who meets the first person and then she just thinks they're going to marry. No, I knew. We didn't finish each other's sandwiches. We didn't, right? Ceviche, yes. So I just knew, but I also confirmed it throughout the night. I was assessing, okay, what is he like about how old is he? He probably has children. And I I mean, all these things. He loves big words. Is that something I can take? I knew, I, I just saw all these different things. I think I thought this is probably who he is. And it was right. And everything was just confirmed. At the end of eight hours, then you finally asked me for my number. That is correct. Right? I was like, oh man, I finally had to say, Lord, I knew that you sent me my husband. I know that we were going to get married, but I got to go home. I'm really tired. And he hasn't asked me for my number yet. So I got to go home. <laughs> and so at the, when I said, okay, I have to go. He said, well, let me give you my phone number. That's correct. Right? And of course... My husband decided to wait the three days to contact me. Bad advice from a friend. Okay. I really thought, hey, we're grown adults. I know we're going to get married. We can go out to breakfast tomorrow. That's okay. But he didn't call. And I said, okay, well, we'll just see if he waits the three days. And on the third day, is that why? (laughs) On the third day. On the third day. On the third day, he called. And actually, he asked me about real estate. And I said, wow, did I totally misjudge our conversation? I thought we were going to get married. Maybe you just wanted to sell me. And I gave you kind of the friendly tone, right? Yes, the friend zone. I yep. friend zoned you in that minute because I thought maybe I misjudged it. And then you changed your tone. I immediately did. And you let me know that you were interested. Absolutely. Well, what do you like to do? I said, okay, well, that's not a real estate call. Yep, correct. And so we talked more and we went on our first date. And let me tell you, my husband gave me his full testimony on our first date. You can check out his testimony as our from first episode. That's right. You gave me your testimony from darkness to light. That's the name of the first episode. And let me tell you, I have been a social worker for a very long time. I've been through a lot in my life. There's very little that surprises me. And I thought that was kind of a lot for a first date. Okay. This is more like a third date thing I was thinking, but I thought, well, I want an honest man better now than later that I find this, these things out. And I, we proceeded. Really, our first dates were actually intense, but they were pretty extraordinary in the sense that neither one of us were at a place in our life where we had to be in a relationship, where that relationship defined us. We had both decided, I never want to be in a bad relationship again. So I'd rather be single than to be in a bad relationship. So when it came to us meeting, we just laid everything out on the table and we kind of interviewed each other. We asked questions about the things that are our deal breakers and everything just lined up. And I will tell you, if something didn't line up, we would have completely cut it off. Correct. Without question, we just were not at a place where we needed to be in a relationship. Everything just worked out. Amen. And we kept on going. And by the way, just a couple of things as I, as I end this, my husband was the one after a couple of dates He'll tell you about how long it took him to know that we would get married. My husband was the one, I think on date number two or three, where he said, hey, listen, I don't date just a date. I date to marry. So if you don't want to get married, if that's not in your thinking or your goals, there's the door. Well, he didn't say there's the door, but something like that. And I sat there and said, 
wow, did a man just say that? Mm-hmm. It's usually the woman who says that it shouldn't be. But usually the issue is that a man doesn't want to marry. That was a seven-year buildup almost. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll get to that part, yeah. right? So usually it's the uh, man who doesn't want to commit. But I thought, wow, he laid everything on the table. He completely made a limit. I did want to get married. And I knew that we were going to get married. And I, I did test all these things out. But I said, okay, nope, I do want to get married. So we proceeded and everything worked out. A couple of things I want to let you know about is that a month before Manny and I met, I had taken out a friend who was going through a really horrific divorce. I decided I was going to take her out to salsa dance and to to go have to go out because she was going to go out whether I went or not. And I wanted to take her out because I didn't want her to make poor choices and I would bring her right back. On that day, I went to this place in Southern California in Long Beach. When I took her out, I remember passing back from the bathroom of this place and I caught eyes with a man that was walking to the bathroom. And I got this feeling that scared the heck out of me. It was like a whoosh type of feeling as soon as I locked eyes with this person. And it scared the heck out of me. And I avoided him for the rest of the night Mm -hmm. because it scared me so much. I had never felt a feeling that was that intense and that overwhelming just Mm. by a look with somebody. I knew he was looking at me, but I, I just tried to avoid it so that I didn't have to confront that scary feeling. And I didn't pursue you that night either. Well, well you're given the story here. That's right. <laughs> but you were listening, right? Yes. And so on date three of when Manny and I were dating, he tells me, hey, I want to let you know something. Yes. And this is a time I had learned, ladies, take this as maybe a little bit of advice. I had learned not to do so much talking always about myself and to listen so I can learn about the person that I'm dating. So I hadn't offered information of where I was a month before yet. He tells me, hey, I want to let you know I have seen you before. And I said, you have? Well, where was it? Well, long story short, Manny was the man that I locked eyes with. And I know because of his style, I know later, as soon as he said that, I said, oh my goodness, that was you. And everything clicked, everything lined up that I knew it was him. There was no mistake that that was him. He knew exactly where we were. He already knew my name by the first time that we met because he overheard me. And he'll tell you that probably in a story. But now I know that was the Holy Spirit. I was just not ready. I was not at a place when we had seen each other and locked eyes. Neither one of us was at that moment, yeah. Neither one of us was at that moment. A month before we actually met, I wasn't ready. And had we had met, none of this would have worked out. And so the Holy Spirit knows. God is so sovereign. He knows timing. He is so precise. He doesn't miss even a moment. He's not even a second off. He hits the the bullseye. His timing is perfect. Precisely. So I knew that what Manny was telling me on our third date was 100% true and that he was the one and everything just started making sense. And as we were dating, things just were confirmation that the Lord had brought us together. And if you are following the story, you realize that when I had my prayer where I surrendered to the Lord and I said, you have to meet me here and you can't hold me to this an hour, I met Manny four days later. And so there were many people who were concerned for a rebound relationship with reason. So out what, Correct. what the Lord did for us is more of an exception, but I knew, I knew within 10 minutes and I just kept on getting confirmations and I'm about to hand it over so that you can tell how things worked out for you. But uh, just a last couple of things is that in our relationship, what the Lord showed me was that healthy relationships are possible when you 
go about it a different angle. And when you're healthier inside and when you rely on him and when you don't have to be in a relationship per se, things go so differently. And when you're matched up with the right person, what an amazing difference that can be. Last thing I'll tell you is one of the ways I was able to get you to marry me, Mm -hmm. right, is that I gave you some delicious cheesecake, probably the best in the world. Claim jumper, white chocolate chip, raspberry cream cheese pie. You almost never had a piece of sugar in your life, I don't think. And I gave you that cheesecake, right? Because you never ate anything like that. And I gave you some coffee and then you asked me to marry you. That is correct. Yeah. So ladies, cheesecake and coffee. That's how it worked out for me. I will tell you shortly of some things I hope that you got out of this story and which is a true story, but I'm going to hand it over to you, my love, to tell me and to tell everybody how the Lord worked in your life and the time frame that he had for you and how he intertwined everything to connect with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Prior to uh, meeting you, my love, I had done um, missionary work in Mexico, in Nayarit, Mexico. And this was maybe like around uh, 10 years prior to meeting you, right? When I was doing missionary work, I had previously been married and I went with my previous wife to do missionary work because we were the only ones that in the church that wanted to do missionary work, which is definitely not a reason to marry someone, not just because They're in church and especially not just because they also want to do missionary work. There's a lot more things that have to fall in line for you to decide and be selective with that person, right? Well, anyhow, I was very young, early 20s, 21, 22, got married really young against the advice of my spiritual mother, against the advice of my biological mother and a whole bunch of wise people in the church. But I thought I knew it all and and I got married. We did missionary work together and doing missionary work together, things didn't work out. She decided she didn't want to do missionary work. To be honest with you, from there, it kind of went into like a little downward spiral, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And it's just definitely something that I never really felt peace with, even though I pursued it. And I think a lot of times we get into relationships because of compromise, because commitment, because we think we have to now stay in this relationship. But unless you are already married, you do not have to proceed even even if it's the wedding day and you just do not feel God's peace, God's confirmation in your heart, do not proceed. Amen. For me, after my my divorce, I went to go live in Washington for about a year and a half. Then believe it or not, we got back together. We actually remarried. And even though I did not feel God's peace, I did not feel, you know, this was from God. I still felt nonetheless, again, obligated to, I felt a moral obligation. Even though I knew, you know, things don't work out. It didn't work out the first time. We're more than compatibility issue, more than that. It was simply that I did not have peace in the relationship. There are more details that I probably should not discuss here, but you know, more details that were reasons, legitimate reasons to not um, remain in the marriage. For a moment there, I even thought that maybe marriage, even in Christ, was supposed to be bitter. I thought there's always going to be strife. There's always going to be yelling. There's always going to be throwing things or even in some instances hitting. And I thought, you know what, maybe there's going to be violence and maybe every marriage goes through this. That's what I thought, even in Christ. Not on your end hitting. Not on my end, correct. No, but I thought I have to take this. I have to just live with this. And thank God that later on in life, I learned boundaries and and I found how boundaries are biblical. And the Lord Jesus himself had boundaries. But at that moment, I was very young. I, I, I was immature, spiritually immature. I thank God that even though we, we things didn't work out, we did have my boys and, and I love the, my sons. But at the same time, it, it was a dilemma. 
I part of me definitely wanted to stay in the relationship for the children. And another part of me was like, man, I cannot be in this relationship anymore until finally, you know, um, she left again. And after that, I was like, well, I don't want to be in bondage anymore. And if that means remaining single for the rest of my life, so be it. Maybe that was what the Lord connected that same phrase. (laughs) Yes, correct. Several years passed. I was a single dad at, at that time. And I said, you know, my, my mother at that, at that moment also had developed cancer. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to take care. I want to take care of my mom. I want to help my mom. We rented a, a house in Bell Gardens. I started getting into real estate and loans. And, you know, the Lord opened doors there, helped me financially to also help my mother and my little sister. So they went to live with me in, in Bell Gardens. And it was then that I, I had decided and said, you know what? I don't want to be in the wrong relationship anymore. And I tried. I tried to date a few girls, even girls I had met at the church or I had taken a church and they've given their life to Christ. And I said, "Okay, now that she gave her life to Christ. But then I realized that person does not know the Lord. And one of the things that I remember is that the Holy Spirit would always convict me. I always felt like if God was saying no, no, no. And I persisted. I persisted thinking somehow, Lord, this will work because a relationship has to be this way, right? There can't be true peace in marriage. And finally, um, I got tired of it. Um, with the last one that I dated, things didn't work out. And I initially thought she gave her life to Christ. Maybe things will work out. But then I, I did not see any fruit in her life. I did not see any transformation. And I did not have peace with that. And that clashed with my spirit. And now just talking about something mystical, but the word of God convicted me. A passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 6 came to mind, you know, where it says, do not be unequally yoked. What communion does Christ have with demons? You know, there is no communion. And I felt rebuked in my heart. Every time I was in a, in a relationship that God did not approve of, I felt rebuked. I felt convicted. And finally, I said, I had a very sincere prayer. I, I dropped to my knees and I literally, literally wept and cried before God. And I said, I'm tired of this, Lord. I'm tired of this. Um, please, Lord, if it's your will that I remain single for the rest of my life, Please. I I thought like Paul at that time. And I said, give me the gift of continence so that I will no longer, you know, have the desire to to have a wife. And I said, Lord, but please help me intervene in my life. And I really cried out. But then a part of me still had some hope, believe it or not. Simultaneously, while I was praying that in my heart, I said something else to God. And I wanted to share that with you guys. What I said in my heart is I thought of a passage that we're going to read in a bit. But I thought of a passage of the Canaanite woman who came to Christ and knew she she was not a, a, a part of the people of God. She was not a, a member of the house of God. And yet she had a conviction that Jesus could help her, even though she did not deserve it. And that was the same attitude I had at that moment. I truly humbled myself before God and I wept. And I said, Lord, I know I do not deserve this because I'm a divorcee. And in, in, in my church, that was really shunned, you know, and I felt convicted. I felt guilty for having disobeyed God in something that is so sacred. I did not want to take it lightly anymore. I did not want to take it as if it were something you can compromise your biblical values or your principles on. I'm like, no, I can no longer compromise what I know to be true in scripture. I can no longer compromise when entering into a new relationship. So if the case is that I will remain single, so be it. But then part of me, like I said, was hopeful. And I remember in my heart crying out to God and saying, Lord, I know that I do not deserve the bread that is on the table. 
I know that I am unworthy of your blessings. And I even prayed in that prayer, bless my ex-wife, bless this other person, bless her beyond anything you will ever bless me. I really prayed that. And I said, and Lord, if possible, if there is even the smallest possibility, Lord, I humbled myself before him and I said, I just need a crumb that falls from the table. I'm a crumb. No, <laughs> but the Lord is so loving and merciful. And I said, Lord, I want a, a wife. I want a woman that loves you, a woman that will appreciate my love for your word, that will want to learn scripture with me, a person that will uh, appreciate my knowledge of the word of God, a person that will value me. And I even said, Lord, I, and I felt so guilty even describing you in my mind to the Lord, literally even physically describing. I'm like, oh, no, no, Lord, I can't even be thinking that, Lord. I had visions like of really curly hair, a certain, you know, Flat style, iron, no. you know, <laughs> iron. that's correct. No. And I thought, Lord, forgive me for even thinking this and envisioning this. I think it was the Lord already putting you in my heart. And I said, Lord, but I do not deserve this. Just give me of the crumbs and that will suffice because I know that your crumbs are much better than the loaf of bread that I choose because I'm always choosing wrong. And I really ask for God's mercy. And then... I simply forgot about it and said, so be it, Lord, I guess I'll remain single. At that time, I had a friend who, who was a, a really good salsa dancer and he wanted me to learn how to dance salsa as well. So I started going to some classes and he said, hey, look, there's a, a, a party I'm going to and there's a girl that they wanted me to meet up again with that I had already met and dated. Well, we didn't date. We just talked once and maybe this was like the follow-up meeting, but I didn't really feel peace in my heart. But at the same time, I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll go to the party and, and talk. And we get there very early. There's nobody there. And neither one of us really drank. So we said, well, it's it's kind of um, rude to come to a park where everybody, I guess everybody, a party where everybody's drinking and not bring anything. So we actually went to go get them some beer. And when we came back, um, lo and behold, I, I see you. I see my wife there. And I actually believe I told my friend Robert, that's the girl that I, that we, that I saw at, at, at that place, right? The club, Alegrias. Salsa club. At the salsa club, yeah. And I said, that's her. And I'm like, oh, but this time I'm going to go and talk to her. Was e immediately attracted to Kat and, and something just pulled me in. Um, we, we, we shared our first bite of ceviche together. I think it was a spicy ceviche or something. And you're like, hey, you've never tried that. And I remember you, 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 you made that sound, you know, that boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's right. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow, she is funny. You gave She's a funny. You gave a corny pun. A corny pun. Which I right. love humor. And I said, boom, boom. And I was like, wow. That's, that's, she, she got my pun. I guess that was the first icebreaker for us, you know? That's why you married me because I get your jokes. <laughs> that's correct. She gets my jokes, even when nobody else does, but you do. They're funny. And I think, you know, um, at that moment in my heart, I won't say that I knew that you were going to be my wife, but I definitely knew there was something different. And I said, okay, you know, we started talking and it is true. We, I, I took forever to ask for your number. You know, because I, I was not that I was hesitant, but I was waiting for the right moment, thinking I'm going to wait for you to get up and maybe leave and then ask you for your number. And I guess you were waiting all that time for me to ask for your number. And I'm like, it's two in the morning, three, almost three in the morning. We need to go. So I did ask her and I did w wait foolishly for those three days. You know, actually, my buddy told me, wait three days. You know, there's a three day rule in dating. And I'm like, OK. Either way, though, I remember calling you and, and yes, I did start talking about real estate because in our conversation, when we first met, you had mentioned something about eventually one day wanting to buy a, a condo or a house. And I figured, okay, well, 
that's probably the the best route to take for right now, you know, to you a, engage in conversation, you know? We're going to get a house. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and that was our first house together. And I said, you know, okay, wow, you definitely put me in the friend zone. And I thank you for that because I think it's important to be clear in, in the messages that we give to each other when we're dating. And especially if if your intention is to marry, you know, be clear. And um, don't wanna, be ambiguous. I didn't want to over pursue. That is correct. That is correct. But you did let me know. I'm not interested in a house. Are you interested in me? In a way, and I'm like, okay, let's change the conversation here. Do you, what kind of movies are you into? Without what do you like? That. What else do you like? Correct. Without saying that was very subtle. You were very okay. subtle, but I, I was able to, to hear between the lines, right? That was my intention. That's correct. I remember then, you know, asking you out on our first date and, and I remember it was Father's Day and I've forgotten about that. And I remember now that you actually canceled a, a, a party, right? Or something or a dinner with your... One grandpa. time I knew... I got to meet the man I'm marrying. That's correct. That's correct. But I love you, Papa. Yep. And I remember, you know, going out on that first date. And and one of the things that I started to do and whenever I dated um, a woman, you know, or I, I talked with a woman. And if I felt there was any interest, I wanted them to know that I was a believer. And I wanted them to know that Christ was the most important part of my life, was my life. And in the center of my life. That's my core. And that was something that I had already decided I am no longer going to compromise. Because I think in dating previously, I had compromised that. I said, well, this girl's cute or, you know, she goes to church. She knows about God. But we were unequally yoked. And I said, no more, Lord, no more. And I even thought to myself, I'm probably going to scare her off. But if that's the result of me being honest and sincere and putting my cards on the table, so be it. So be it. And I did. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe I'm talking too much. I'm rambling. And I'm like, no, I'm going to tell her how Christ changed me and how important that is in my life. And you listened. You you listened. Right. You were patient. After that, we had a, another date. And I remember that's when you gave me that cheesecake, delicious cheesecake that that definitely melted my heart for sure. It gained a little weight, but I, it melted my heart. You know? <laughs> Funny. One of the things that I definitely remember that to me was a sign, a sign from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord was that I was engaging with you. I was talking and we were fellowshipping. And I remember that on one of our dates, you brought um, the scripture from, from church that you guys had read at church. And um, we were discussing the scripture. And one of the things that I definitely felt, actually, one of the things I didn't feel, because every, every time I would try to date uh, someone, I'd feel God's rejection. I feel that God said, no, no, no. I, it, would, it would tug at my heart and I just did not feel any peace at all. And I kid you not, I was actually looking for that when I went up, maybe by our third date. I was like, okay, Lord, here it comes. I know, I know it's not going to be your will. Things aren't going to work out. She's going to end up either smoking or drinking or cussing like crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute, she doesn't do any of these things. Then I'm like, all right, she wants to discuss scripture. And I remember on our first date, you know, on our, no, I'm sorry, not our first date, but by this time we were probably like on our fourth or fifth date. And I think we did talk about certain issues in the Bible and that I considered um, were essential, that I considered were part of having a biblical worldview. And I remember discussing these with you. And even though you didn't necessarily have a strong biblical worldview, I knew that your love for Christ was sincere. And I remember the words that you told me, right? That all right, if you can show me in the scriptures, I'm definitely willing to reconsider it. And to me, that was powerful. And, and that gave me so much peace. And it was confirmation to me from God that for sure we were going to get married and you were going to be my wife. I wish I had known it the first first date like you, but 
I think by the third, fourth date, I, I knew. Makes it a little bit easier. I knew, correct. But maybe we should tell people that we celebrated at two months. That, that is we correct. made it. Yes. yes. Because that was the length of the maximum length of relationships before they were cut off. That is correct. And I believe that it was the Lord who would cut them off. Thankfully. And, and back then, it, it was with so much pain, with so much emotional suffering, right? And, you know, there was something that somebody said, which I'll paraphrase, is that they said, what's, I felt so bad about putting in so much time with this person. But then I thought, what's worse than putting time in with this person that didn't work out? Well, spending one more day with that person. Yep. That was worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm sure that you also, like me, Felt God tugging at your heart. Did you ever feel God nudging your heart, like the Holy Spirit convicting you and saying no, that you weren't supposed to be in that relationship? Yeah, I felt it. I just pushed it down. Yep. To, because I was oddly uh, addicted and definitely away from Christ. And I just bought the idea that half love was okay. And that was better than no love. And that's not true. And that's what the devil does. He takes what God creates, mimics it, and gives it a half truth. Correct. And so I thought, hey, I'm I'm in a happy marriage type of relationship. And it absolutely was not. But that's what I was looking for. I settled for what was not of Christ, thinking it was going to produce the same fruits that what Christ produces. And by the time you met me, you were ready to put your cards on the table huh? and say no more compromise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe you want to share how long was your single time before from yes, absolutely. divorce to meeting me where in my case, I had four days. In your in case- In my case, it was almost seven years, a little bit over six and a half, six, six and a half years. Something maybe to keep in mind is that both Manny and I were different people after we surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, whatever you want. So we were both different partners. Correct. Before that is true. we had that, that transformation. I don't think we were ready for each other. At that, be prior to that. And who we wore with people prior were different people than we wore together, or who we wore when we met. By the time that you and I met after surrendering to the Lord, we were much more decisive in what we wanted and didn't want, what we were going to compromise and not compromise on, and how we were going to be in a relationship and what kind of relationship we wanted. That is correct. So our experience with each other is different because we were different because the Lord changed us. I think because of what we went through, we had already defined for sure what we did not want in a relationship. Absolutely. And it made a humongous difference. Yes, it did. I think sometimes people think that exclusivity and even being um, discriminate has some negative connotation, but it's neutral. I think there is good discrimination and that good discrimination means being selective of your partner. And one of the guidelines in Christianity is do not be unequally yoked. For sure, if they are not a believer, be very careful even if you're dating that person. And you forgot to mention that you had a dream. Oh, that's correct. That is correct. I did. I did. So along the lines of our story, we are omitting some of it for the sake of time, but there were many signs yes, that the were. Lord was bringing yes, us together. Were. And one of those was you had a dream about me. Prior, prior to meeting you, after first seeing you, and then prior to meeting you a second time, I had a dream that I was with you and I was hugging you. I was holding you. And I was like, Lord, why would I dream about this girl that I met, that I saw? I haven't even met her, but I saw her. And then that was probably a week to days before I actually met you. And I forgot to mention that just like you had prayed for somebody and you were very specific and I met that criteria. I also prayed, this was before I got very specific this time and the Lord produced all of that in you. Mm. So I think that's just very interesting. 
So a couple of things that I hope that you get out of today or, or reminders about relationships is that when you're dating, remember, you want to be with somebody who wants to be with you, who wants to be married, who has similar goals and values and interests. You want to be with somebody who wants to be with you and who likes you. Very important. Who wants to spend time with you. Correct. When you fully surrender, God meets you. I don't mean he'll meet you when you surrender less, but it's going to be a little bit different because he's going to draw out that piece that you're not surrendering. When you fully surrender, when you're fully, fully genuine, the Lord will meet you each and every time. When you're really genuine in your search for him, no matter how strong you are, no matter how weak you are, he will meet you. He cares. He wants you to follow him and he wants you to surrender all those things to him. Each person may have a different path. I had four days, you had seven years, <laughs> but the Lord is sovereign over all of it. Over time. He and is the master of time. It's very important. So you may be at a different place than your friend or your loved one, but God is sovereign over your friend, your loved one, and you. So don't lose hope. Don't think that he's forgotten you. Correct. He has a plan for each person. Here's something very important. And this is a little bit of what you touched on. All people have value in Christ. Every single person is made in his image. They all have value and worth because they were created by God. God deemed them to have value and worth. And so they do every single person, regardless of mm. what they do. However, not everybody has the same worth when it comes to relationships. People have different values relationship wise. Do not think that all people are good partners. Some are not. Choose the good ones. The last two things that I hope that you got out of today is that you should know that you should draw closer to the Lord as a result of dating the person that you're dating and the relationship that you have and who you marry. You should draw closer, not farther away. And in a likewise manner, you should draw closer to your family and loved ones rather Correct. than farther away. Now, there may be some exceptions if you have abuse and different things going on, but in general, your relationships should improve. It should enhance all your other that's right. Especially if you have a blended family, that spouse's relationship with their children should improve. And, and that is so important because there are so many couples who form blended families now. That's right. And they just think that it's just the marriage they need to focus on. But no, you're a family. Yes, correct. And so that relationship should improve. And if it doesn't, maybe you shouldn't be dating. Lastly, what I learned is that your life can change in four days. Four days before I met my husband, I thought I would be single with no children for the rest of my life. And that certainly isn't the case. He had a different plan. The last thing that I, the last, last thing that I wanted to drive home is that I hadn't seen like you, a whole bunch of healthy relationships. I did not see a whole bunch of relationships that worked out well. It was very few. And I, I thought, yeah, there are good relationships out there, but it's for the very select few. It's very exceptional. It's those people that are not me or other people. And it's not that I felt so bad about it. I just thought it was normal. Like you said, I just thought this is how relationships go. And what the Lord showed me, and I think us, is that healthy relationships are possible. Amen. It's really important. Healthy relationships are possible. You can endure and continue and be joyful and be in a happy marriage. I think that's so important. Amen. What would you like for them to get out of what we said today? For sure, remember that the Lord knows what you need better than you. Amen to that. That was one of the things that when I prayed, I remember. I thought, Lord, I'm over here trying to describe, but you know what I need better than me. Also, to 
don't think that he can't bless you. I mean, sometimes we put certain certain walls up, certain um, hurdles for God, especially when we're divorcees, especially when we've done something in our past that we feel we do not deserve this. And it's true. To some degree, we don't. Or pseudo-divorcees, like yes. cohabitants. Yes, correct, correct. Like me. Yes. And also, um, you know, we already have kids or we come from other relationships, what have you. However, though, God is first and foremost a God of love and a God of mercy. Yes, the Lord's judgments are all good. And he is always found to be righteous in all his ways and in everything that he judges. There is no misjudgment or maljudgment in him. Everything that he judges is good. And when we submit to that, saying, Lord, so be it. If it's your will to judge that I remain single. When we surrender like that and we really, really mean it when we're sincere, that's when God answers those prayers. And don't settle for less. I think that's one of the things that was my pattern, my repeated mistake. I would over and over feel that I had to compromise. Maybe I'm too much into scripture. Somebody even once told me, you're too Christianed out. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But then, you know, that's because that was not the woman for me. And I thank God for that. I thank God for all the times he broke my heart. I thank God for all the times he allowed my heart to be shattered and broken. And I was very quixotic. I was very, you know, um, fanciful, romantic, you know, idealist. And I thank God for crushing that, what I had, how I measured and judged a good relationship and showing me what a good biblical relationship is all about. And one of the things that, that I definitely want you to, to remember is that oneness in Christ enhances oneness in your marriage. It is so important. It should be a priority. It should be the top thing on your list, at the top of your list to say, hey, I want someone who loves Jesus the way I love Jesus. I want someone, even if they're not knowledgeable yet of the word of God but who respects the word of God the way I do, who is willing to learn from the word of God. And the last thing is oneness in Christ. When you attain that in your relationship with Christ and then in your relationship with your spouse, in my opinion, and not just my opinion, actually, it's the foundation of, of family. It's the foundation of creation. God created male and female to be one, to become one flesh. And the two shall be made one flesh. That oneness that first comes from your relationship with Christ and then enhances your marriage is the greatest protection for integrity in marriage and to keep it whole. Because the devil will always, even in marriages that start off with Christ as the foundation, more than other marriages, I think the devil will want to destroy that marriage. Because he knows that an integral marriage, a whole marriage in Christ, will do a lot for God's kingdom. And I guess the last thing would be for sure to always lay your cards on the table. Don't be afraid of that. And if you're a believer and you're on a date and you're going out with somebody, even if they're in the church, don't be afraid to let them know how much you love Christ. Because if that person is the one for you, they will love Christ the same. And it will not be a deterrent. That's right. And you had mentioned don't pretend to be less yes, Christian. Yes, correct. Don't pretend. That's right. Don't compromise and don't pretend to be someone you're not. And the point that you brought up a point or two ago about marriage, I think it's so important to remember just to throw it out there and for you to think about is that marriage is not just meant to provide companionship. We have companionship with each other. We love to be around each other. We like a lot of the same things. We're very similar in certain ways, but marriage is to show the relationship of Jesus and the church and his love for us. Uh, absolutely. And to build up his kingdom. So 
marriage, that's part of the work piece. Yes. It's the, it's the relationship that God has chosen to reflect his relationship with the church. So you want to know what you're getting into because yes. there's real work to be done. Absolutely. So let's jump into our scripture section. Absolutely. Two scriptures that I brought today that I think pertain to our story and that remind me of what the Lord did in my life is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which you probably already can recite because it's very well known. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord that he will have a plan for you and that he has plans for good, which I guess is a whole nother scripture that we can add in there. Jeremiah 29, 11. Also, the second scripture that I brought was Romans 8, 28, which is, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So you and I made some very poor choices mm-hmm. and we strayed from what Christ wanted for us and what he commands us to do. And yet, even when we didn't deserve it, he weaved our story together and he utilized things that were from our past to help us in where we're at now. Amen. Even when we didn't deserve it. Amen. So what would be the scriptures that you brought? All right. For our opening the scriptures segment, one of the passages that I, I wanted to share was actually the passage that I prayed. The passage that came to mind as I was praying for you without knowing that, you know, I was praying for you. I appreciate it. <laughs> And it's uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And it reads as, as follows. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, Just a quick little background. I won't go into too much detail, but there's a lot of theological implications in this. And the first thing that comes to mind is, and a lot of people see this as a negative thing when they hear Jesus saying dog, the word dog. Condescending, correct. Had a negative connotation. And to be fair, in the Jewish context, context, it did. Because in Jewish context, they didn't have dogs as pets the way we do. Dogs were always outside. Unlike, for example, the Canaanite woman and maybe with her Greek background, since they were under Roman control, they were familiar with Greek culture. And in their cultures, they did have dogs as pets. And that's why she says eats from the master's table, falls from the master's table, where that was not an image that was acceptable in a Jewish household. You know, you wouldn't have the dog inside the house. When Jesus says this, you know, it's a it's a a prelude also to him displaying that his love and his compassion is not just for the people of Israel, but for all people, all Gentiles. That includes us. However, the disciples initially initially interpreted as Lord, you know, she's bugging us. She's not part of the of, of our people. She's not a Jew. And he says, "Hey, I'm sent primarily to the lost sheep of Israel." And we have to remember that in Jesus's ministry, it was regional. It was limited to that region. Jesus later on sent Paul. But imagine had Jesus gone everywhere in the world at that time, his ministry was limited to what he had to do for the father. Even the Lord Jesus respected those boundaries and said, right, 
I'm not going to go into that region. I can't go into this region. I'm coming here. But people from other regions would come to him. This lady knew coming to Jesus that she did not deserve it because she was not a part of the people of God. Maybe she wasn't as faithful. Maybe she wasn't keeping the law. Whatever her story was, she knew that she was not worthy. But she knew of Jesus's compassion. And she knew that his love and his compassion and his mercy were big enough to even help her who did not deserve it. And I think she was honest and sincere. And I think the fact that Jesus mentions this, and even if we have some confusion about what did Jesus mean when he said this, when he used the term dog, yet here's the point. The woman knew and she didn't take offense. And that's why Jesus even says, great is your faith. And he says that with an exclamation mark in front of the disciples. Great is your faith as opposed to sometimes even their faith. How little is your faith? He would sell them sometimes. But here he tells this woman who was not a Jew, great is your faith. Why? Because she could see through that analogy that Jesus was using. And listen to what she said. She could still gather up in her heart and say, but Lord, I know that your mercy is so great. You don't even have to come into my town the way you do to these people in Israel. Because remember, he'd go visit Jairus's daughter. He visited her, remember? Mm -hmm. He raised Lazarus. He went to Lazarus' tomb. Here her daughter was ill, yet he doesn't have to go. And she knows you don't have to go. Just give me a little crumb and that will suffice. And his grace and his mercy, though we call that a crumb, is greater than all the loaves of bread in the world. What he provides for us is greater than what we provide for ourselves. And it's greater than what the world will provide for you. So when you're sincere and you're honest and you come to Christ with this sincerity, he will answer your prayers. Because that's one of the things that the scripture says, God cannot reject a contrite and a humble heart. I will not reject. And when we come to Christ, seeking a relationship, if you want to be in a relationship, if you want to be married, and you know, man, Lord, I've, I've messed up and I've made the wrong decisions, the wrong choices. Say that to him. Pray. Pray that honestly, sincerely, and make a commitment to say, I will no longer compromise. And God will open the doors in his time. For me, mm -hmm. it took almost seven years, but he will open the doors. But I wasn't ready. That's correct. That's I wasn't correct. ready for where I needed to be for when you were ready for where you needed to be for everything to work out exactly as it did. So we have to trust in God's timing. Remember that God might also be developing your spouse. That might take some more time than it took for you. And I also wanted to read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. This is also a very important passage. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, which is another name for Satan? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and, and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. And I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. Sometimes being selective or even discriminating sounds like a, a negative word, but it really has a neutral meaning. It's, it's good to be selective when you're going to pick a partner for the rest of your life, right? When you're going to pick Absolutely. someone to marry, 
you should be selective. There should be certain things that you require in that person to say, hey, this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. This is the person that I want to become one with. The most important thing is, does that person also have Christ as their core? Not do they just go to church. Not do they just um, say that they're Christian. Or are spiritual. Or are spiritual. We have to be very careful with that. Or even use the name Christ. But do they know the Lord? Do they have him as their core? Is he the epicenter of their life? Or just a part of their life? And I think that's extremely important. Because marriage, even though the oneness is physical, that oneness is also spiritual. Absolutely. Well, I think we should wrap it up now. And I wanted to thank you for listening. I, we really hope that you got benefit out of the testimony that we shared. We hope that this was something that was helpful for you. And also, we appreciate all of you that are listening, that have been following us. We're in many different countries now. And we really, really appreciate you listening and watching. It's encouraging for us to keep on going. And so we wanted to share, we wanted to let you in into our lives a little bit. Then sometime maybe we'll be able to meet some of those that are listening. That'd be nice. If you enjoyed today's show and got benefit out of it, we ask that you would check us out on Facebook and on YouTube and on Instagram. Give us a like, give us a, a subscribe so that you don't miss anything. And again, it encourages us to keep on going. Don't forget that you can find us on almost all of your, not almost all, now all of your major podcast platforms. We also are on YouTube if you want to watch the videos. Let's go ahead and conclude. And would you mind Amen. praying us out? Absolutely. I Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much, Lord, for this time. We thank you for allowing us to share, Lord, how you brought us together. And um, we pray, Father, that this word of encouragement, uh, that it would reach, Father, every person out there who is longing to be in a relationship with someone who also loves you the way they love you. And if for whatever reason, Lord, they're even in, a, in their own relationship, they have not fine-tuned their relationship with you. If they have, are not walking in step with you, I pray, Father, that you draw them closer to you. It is so beautiful to, to have a spouse, Lord, who loves you the way we do. It is so beautiful to share that oneness with you that we have with you with our spouse, Lord. Father, I pray that you would hear their prayers. I pray that your Holy Spirit would intercede in their lives and help them to pray. I pray, Father, that if there is anyone who is already in a marriage, in a relationship, that you would enhance that relationship, Father, that you would step into that relationship and enhance it. After all, this is the relationship that you have chosen to represent the love that Christ has for the church, Lord that we would love our spouse the way Christ loves the church. Father, I thank you. I pray that you continue to open the scriptures to them, that we would all follow you and, and desire to be your disciples before anything else in our lives, Lord. We are first and foremost your disciples, that we would humble ourselves as we call you master, that you would really govern and rule over our lives for there is no ruler like you. There is no king like you. There is no one like you, Lord, that when we surrender, we obtain victory. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. We'll see you next time. Ciao. God bless.